So uh, two other things that I need to mention. One is it's Cheryl Knopf's birthday today also. Is that true? Christina, is that true? Okay, so we're saying hi to you, sis, who's out online. And, uh, and Josh's birthday tomorrow, correct? Okay, so make sure you say happy birthday to him uh, as well. <laughs> That's important. And then one other thing we missed, there's a men's study. So we've been in a series that we just started last week on the 12, understanding the 12 disciples of Christ. How were they called? How were they trained? How were they sent out? And the women that also traveled with that group, because sometimes we just think it's all dudes. And I love how the chosen has gotten into that a little bit and has said, what would, what would have been like? Because really, in the story, there are women traveling with Christ also. So we're going to get into that too. That'll be fun. Uh, but there's going to be a men's study that'll start soon. In the next couple weeks, there's a men's study that'll be getting into MacArthur's book on the 12, which is called 12 Ordinary Men. So there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby, or you can find it at the potluck afterwards. So if you want to get into that and study more and more and more, that is a way to do it. Cool? Uh, also, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to apologize to Christian because last week I could have made a joke, and I missed it. And it was very disappointing because last week I talked about one of the things that bugs me is when people say, I'm Christian, you know, rather than I'm a Christian, right? And so, so he is someone that I'm okay with him saying, I'm Christian, because he is. And he's also a Christian, so he is a Christian Christian. Okay. There we go. Oh, man. So, uh, so we're getting into this new series on, on the disciples. Last week, we talked about their calling and what the word calling means. If you missed it, catch up on it. You can find the podcast when you're driving to work or whatever. Uh, and then each week from now on, we're going to get into different individuals who are, uh, um, you know, some of the, the disciples. What was their story like? What was their personality like? Some of them we know a lot more about. Like we're going to get into Peter today, we know a ton about him. John is next week, the beloved disciple for, for Valentine's Day, so that'll be nice. Uh, and then some of them we don't know a lot about. So we're going to combine some of those on some weeks rather than make things up, which I think is a good idea. Um, and I also want to clarify one thing. Last week I said at Caneo we don't really get into theology that much. Let me clarify that. What I mean is... We talk about theology all the time. We just don't use big, giant words that confuse people. And so uh, one of my favorite uh, quoters um, is Einstein. And uh, check out this, this really cool quote from him. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Yeah. Amen, right? So sometimes I have gone and listened to pastors or teachers or seminary professors, and I'm like, what the heck did they say? Right? And I don't even know if they got it. And I for sure didn't get it. So, so at Caneo, we like to talk about theology, but we're not going to use a lot of the big words. We may throw them out and say, that is soteriology or that is ecclesiology, but we're going to explain what the heck that even means. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Okay. And also, through this series, we're going to interview somebody every week and have them say, how did Jesus call them? Because it's not just about 2,000 years ago, God called some people and he doesn't anymore. I believe he still calls people to follow him, to become disciples of his, and that's you. 
And if you are not a disciple yet, and you're like, I don't know if I am, uh, hopefully this series will intrigue you enough that you'd be like, I want to make sure I am a disciple. I want to make sure that I am becoming more like him. Because disciple really means student. It means pupil. It means mimic. And that's what we're called to be. So the first one that we're going to have today is going to be Rob Markham. Would you welcome him as he pops up here? And so, uh, so Rob is, has been um, part of leading some community groups here at Caneo and also just started helping with men's ministry. And, uh, but I wanted him to share a little bit of his story of how Jesus called you to follow him. I'm going to really condense a long story. Um, Let me see it. I don't think it is on. It looks like it's on. Check, check, checky, check, check. We're not on. No. And our sound man is uh, getting donuts. <laughs> I can talk loud. I, I can talk loud. Rob, here you go. This way. Here you go. I got it. We're good. You don't want to do this? We're good. All right. I'll be close. There you go. So I'll take a really long story and try to abbreviate it as much as possible. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, the only time first time I probably came to church was uh, when I got married, and that was actually in this building 28 years ago. Yeah, um, Shannon and I got married. Two young kids fell in love. She came from a good Christian home. I kind of equated it when I saw them to like the. Leave it to Bieber family, you know what I mean? They were always, they always seemed joyful, they always hugged, they always seemed a lot of love. My family, not so much. I kind of grew, in a rough, grew up in a rougher home. Um, as our years progressed and we started having children, the differences in our marriage really started to compound. We really started to see how different we were, and we grew further and further apart as each year progressed. By the time we had our second child, um, we were just kind of living in the house together. I was pouring myself into work. She was pouring herself into church. She was pouring herself into being a mom. And to fast forward, 17 years into our marriage, not only were we strangers, we didn't really like each other in the house. We didn't meet each other's needs. Um, I selfishly was always upset because I worked hard, I came home, and she's exhausted from the kids, and I got no attention, I got no time. Me, 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 me. Which is a very common thing I get. I had grown into the dad I grew up with. I was grumpy, I was quick to yell, and it was a a very bad place to be. We came to a point where we had been together for the kids. We came to a point where it wasn't healthy anymore. So I was leaving. We had a talk. I said, it's over. I'm out. And she wanted me out. But when I was walking out the door, she told me to stop. And I go, what? And she goes, you can't leave. I go, wait, we just had this talk. It's over. She goes, I know that, and I do want you out, but something's telling me to not let you go. 
So we kind of sat there and talked and tried to figure this out, and she just kept getting this impression that I'm not supposed to go. There's something more for us. So she asked me to meet with a guy she knew from the church she was going to. I gave him a call, and two days later, we went to breakfast, and I kind of explained everything that was going on, the sin I was living in, the way our marriage was, the way I was as a father, and he sat there, he listened, he didn't judge me, he didn't try to tell me how to live, all he did was sit there and he goes, I'm going to pray for you. Now, any time that would have happened in my life, I would have been, it would have felt weird, but for some reason, it felt good. He gave me some verses before I was done. He prayed once again with me in the parking lot. He explained the gospel to me. And I don't know, I felt something for the first time in a long time. So I went home, tried to talk to Shannon, and like I said, we weren't in a good place. So she was kind of locked in the bedroom, said she didn't want to talk right now. So I went to the back room of our house, and I just sat there alone. The kids were gone for the weekend. And I sat there and I thought. And I thought of my life, thought of what kind of husband I was, thought of what kind of man I was, what kind of father I was. And then I looked up the verses on my phone. And I was thinking about what he told me. And how I was so without hope. And I was in such a dark place. Hope sounded kind of good. So I kind of fell on my knees in that moment, alone in this room. I remember the sun shining through the window. I remember the moment well. And I kind of went through the steps he explained to me. I asked him to forgive me. And I asked to be a part of his life. I go, Jesus, I want to be a part of your world. I don't like the world I'm in. And um, I had a moment that I will always remember, the world, the weight, it lifted off. I felt it immediately. I felt lighter. I felt hopeful. It was one of the most amazing moments. It was the most amazing moment in my life. Yeah. So I go talk to Shannon and tell her what happens and she's going, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure you did. Okay, so we had a lot of healing to do. Later on that day, my younger son came home and I said, all right, mom's in her room, let's, let's go have lunch. We had a nice time together, I came back. He runs into a room and he goes, who is that guy? <laughs> Dead serious, right out of his mouth. Who is that man? She's going, Shannon's going, what, what man? She goes, dad's not dad. Wow. Something had changed. Um, and that was the beginning of something new in our life. It took a while. I mean, it, she had to believe 
and I had to prove that I had changed. For me, it was easy to be changed because I was. I never looked back on the life I was living. I didn't act that way anymore. I stopped thinking about myself. I was more concerned about how I could fulfill her needs and the needs of my kids. And she just had to kind of go along for the ride and prove it true. Watch it happen. And thank God she did stick it out for that. I found out a little while later that her parents, some women in her Bible study, had decided in January to start praying for me. This was April 17th that we, of 2012 that we almost ended our marriage. 17 years into our marriage. On April 19th, I came to the Lord. And it's those prayers. Jesus had a plan because people were praying to him about me and he softened my heart. So at the right time, I would be ready. And he has restored our marriage. It is, we've never been this happy in our lives. We were never this happy when we were married, when we first got married. It's been a joy to have her by my side. She's the best partner I could ever have. We support and love each other in ways. And we don't, it's nice that we learned to not be selfish. We learned to care for each other, to care for others. And that's what Jesus has been such a huge effect in our lives. You know, and that's, he's changed me. He changed us. So that's my story. Amen. <laughs> I thought you guys might want to hear that. Man, love it, love it, love it. Amen. So God takes us and changes us from the inside out. I love the, the one thing that you said that I'm hanging on to is you said, Jesus, I want to be part of your life. Often we say, Jesus, be part of my life, as if we're the one that's the focus. It doesn't make any sense. So maybe some of you right now, you need to say that to Jesus. I want to be part of your life. Amen. Lord Jesus, make me part of your life. Amen. Amen. So, um, so today we're going to learn about Peter. And, uh, and this guy is often the spokesman of the group. He's usually listed first, if not every single time. And, uh, and we're going to learn a little bit more about his story. Because he was not always Peter. Do you remember what his given name was? Simon. Simon means listener, which is kind of ironic, because he was not a great listener. Uh, and then eventually he became a better listener. Simon was a really common name in the New Testament, so there are at least nine of them. And then there are also some Simeons. And so we've got four Simeons, nine Simons at least. Um, uh, you, you think about Simon the Zealot was actually another one of the disciples. Simon the Pharisee, Simon the leper, Simon of Cyrene, they're all over the place. But Jesus gave him a new name. And we find that in Luke 6, 14 in the list of the disciples. Uh, and we learned that last week. There's a list of the, the 12 in all four, uh, in, in three of the Gospels and in the book of Acts. But it says, Simon, whom he named Peter. So we know that Peter's brother Andrew followed John the Baptist. He was one of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin's disciples. 
And then John said, look, here is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And then Andrew's like, huh, maybe I'm going to follow that guy. And so he starts following Jesus. And right away, we read this uh, in John 1. It says, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon. That's our guy. And he told him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I love this. Check this out. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas. Have you ever met somebody and they're like, I'm going to give you a new... (laughs) Like right out of the gate, Jesus sees in him who he's going to become. I love that. And you'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So um, Peter means rock. Cephas, or Simon means listener. And um, I I was thinking about a a little joke this week. Peter did not rock at first. But over time in his faith, he became a little bolder. Okay, okay. Anyway, so he did not live up to his name for a while. So if we think about Peter being the rock, like probably the other disciples would have known that, you know, Jesus gave him this name and they would have looked at him like, really? Like you? Uh, But we notice that over time he gradually becomes who he's created to be. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the journey from who you used to be to who the Lord has you becoming. And so there's a, there's a process. Like you meet the Lord, Rob, day one, you're good. No, you meet the Lord, and then that begins a lifelong process of becoming more like him and becoming who you are called and created to be. Amen. So it's interesting, sometimes even in the Gospels, even after Jesus says, you're Peter, He's still called Simon a whole bunch. Sometimes he's called Simon, sometimes he's called Peter, sometimes he's called Simon Peter. He calls himself Simon Peter. Because it's interesting. And and here's a theme that happens. Often when he's called Simon, it's because he's acting like his old self. And often when he's called Peter, it's because he's acting like who he's becoming. So interesting. So when Jesus has something to point out, like, Simon, really? You did that? Looking at the old self. But Peter, you get it, looking at the new self. So here's a question for you. What does Jesus see in you? Hmm, Matthew, what does Jesus see in you? Think about it. Think about that for a minute. What would the road look like for you to become who Jesus sees you as? And I don't want you to, the enemy is going to tell you, oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, that's, you know, that's going to be a long road. Or, you know, that's, someone else is listening to this sermon. This is not for you. But this is for all of us, myself included. Who has God called me to be? Why did Jesus say, I want you to come with me on the road, Kirk? What does he want to do in me? And, and I have to understand that that's going to be a process. And he's not going to give me a book to read and say, I'm going to give you a test on this. He's going to come along with me on the road to shape me to become more like him. So Peter gives me a lot of hope because he was pretty screwed up. 
I mean, the, the guy, I mean, he's impetuous. He's clearly ADHD. He always says the wrong thing. He just, right? He's ahead of himself. He's ahead of the Lord like some of you can identify, right? He speaks before he thinks. A couple of examples. One time he says, Lord, I will never deny you. Denies him the next day. Uh, he, he goes out on the water in his great faith and sinks because of his lack of it. Uh, he rebukes Jesus, the Son of God, and tells him he's wrong. And then immediately Jesus goes, actually, you're wrong. Right? So it's kind of funny to watch him, but it gives me a lot of hope because, man, if, if God can shape this guy, you know, there's hope for you, right? And me. So MacArthur calls him the disciple with a foot-shaped mouth. So, and, and it was funny, I was thinking about that, and then I remembered this story. In, in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, there's a statue of St. Peter, and there's one thing in the whole basilica that you can touch. Guess what it is? Peter's foot. So people literally touch his foot for luck, and over the last couple, year, couple hundred years, look at his foot. It's like his toes are gone. But it's a good reminder of like the foot-shaped mouth, right? And, and someone else, one of the other uh, uh, commentators I, I was reading about, Peter, called him the disciple. So there's hope. So Peter is mentioned more than all the other disciples. He speaks more than all the other disciples. He is spoken to by Jesus more than all the other disciples. No one confesses Jesus more boldly than Peter. No one denies him with words more boldly than Peter. Wow. He is praised by Jesus more directly than anybody else. He is also rebuked more sharply than anybody else. Interesting relationship, right? Uh, but notice this, his weaknesses never disqualify him. So Jesus, even if he screws up, doesn't go, oh, I'm finding somebody else. Um, Jesus kept working on him and kept developing him. And I think that's a, that's a lesson for each of us. Because right Jesus doesn't look at you when you screw up and go, oh, man, I'm finding somebody else. He continues to be patient and forgiving and and help us become who he wants us to be. And here's part of that. Peter did not fight Jesus' corrections. So when Jesus corrected him, he zipped it. He went, yep, you're, you're right. I did blow it. And he leaned into the correction. Um, so that's a good question for each of us. When Jesus is correcting you, what do you do? Do you say, yeah, but I did that because of... Or do you zip it like Peter and go... You're right. I need to learn. I need to grow. I need to grow up. Jesus, you're right. I think that's a great character trait in Peter. Even though he was way ahead of himself and blew it, he knew it. And he went, okay, I need to be better. Um, how many of you are Dodger fans? Would you raise two hands? Okay. So um, how many of you are Dodger fans two years ago? Okay. So um, Tommy Lasorda got to know a young Dodger pitcher who you might know by Oral Hershiser. Remember this guy, right? Um, early and mid-80s. So Hershiser came out to the Dodger training camp and was really timid and had ability. Tall, skinny guy, 
um, but was kind of intimidated by the batters. And so Lasorda noticed it, and he was like, I, th- we got to work on this guy. And he gave him the name Bulldog, not because he was a bulldog, but because he needed to be a bulldog. And he said, you are going to be a bulldog and not be intimidated. And he said, don't give those batters any respect. Go throw at them and be a bulldog. And he became that player because somebody saw it in him and was like, here's what you're going to become. That's what Jesus did with Peter. And Peter probably didn't see it sometimes. And he's like, me? Like, really? And Jesus is like, yeah, really. Okay, so let's look at Peter's life in Scripture. We're going to do kind of a, a fast pass because literally there's so much about this guy, we could do three weeks just on him. So, so hang tight, and if I miss your favorite Peter passage, I'm sorry, it, it happens. Um, you can read on your own. Matthew 14, uh, Peter comes to Jesus on the water. And sometimes we are like, what an incredible act of faith. Like, he's so special. He's a... But remember we talked about it last week. A disciple does everything that their teacher does. So Jesus, the rabbi, is out on the water, and Peter's like, well, if I'm going to be the best disciple, I'm going. And then he, he must have had in his mind this bullheadedness, like, I don't care if I look foolish. I don't care if I drown. I'm going to do my job. It's part of his character, and it's part of his passion. And so he went out on the water. We know that he sank, but then Jesus pulled him up, and it's part of why we like Peter, because he was willing to just try. And I love it. Uh, Luke 4, we find that he was married. We don't know if he had any kids. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 talks about, it's Paul talking about Peter, who had his wife, and he said, hey, aren't we able to bring a wife with us? And we're not sure if that means in our life or out on the road. So it's possible that Peter took his wife with him traveling on missionary travels. We don't know. But he was married. Uh, Matthew 16, uh, and I'm going to read this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Now notice, the disciples were kind of being wishy-washy. Well, they say you're you're, your cousin. That's weird. They say you're one of those Old Testament prophets. It's a little weird too. But notice Peter's boldness and focus. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He just called it right out, right in front of everybody. He's like, he's not afraid to say what's right. And, And then Jesus replied, blessed are you. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What a powerful statement, right? And then it's interesting, even in this chapter of Matthew 16, right after this amazing time when Peter's like, you are the Christ, then Jesus says, you know, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be put to death. And then Peter goes like, come here. And he calls Jesus aside and goes, that's not going to happen to you. Basically, we're going to make sure, we're going to protect you. So none of this happens. And then that's where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the things of the world, not the things of heaven. So even in this, Peter got it right, and then right after he gets it wrong, 
And then Jesus restores and be like, come on, come on, buddy. We're going to do the things of heaven. So the next chapter, he's with Jesus uh, and sees him transfigured, lit up, up on the mountaintop with Moses and Elijah. And it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Matthew 17. It, it's, Peter says, this is so great that we're here. Let's put up three tents for you and the other guys. And then the little parentheses says he didn't know what he was saying because he's just like so happy and giddy and weird that he's just saying whatever's on the top of his mind. Like, let's just, let's just camp out here. <laughs> but that's who Peter is, just like getting ahead of himself a little bit. Okay, fast forward. Let's go to the Last Supper, John 13, 6. Jesus puts on a towel around his waist. He's washing the disciples' feet as an example to them of why he came. He finally gets to Peter, right? Who just had, they have this funny relationship. And Peter goes, you're not washing my feet. <laughs> Son of God, right? The boss, the, the ruler of creation. You're not washing my feet. And then Jesus is like, no, I, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. And he goes, well, then wash my hands and my head and wash all of me. What a, what a silly guy, <laughs> Right? And, and then Jesus goes, like, you're already clean. Like, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but just, just go with the plan. And then that's when he says, you're already clean, but not every one of you. Because he was referring to Jesus, to Judas, who was going to sell him out. So right after that, Mark 14, they're in the garden. And this is when Peter should have been a really great disciple. They all fall asleep while Jesus is out praying. And he goes, can't you, like, really stay awake for one hour while I'm trying to pray and while like the end of time for me is coming. So the soldiers come, they're in the garden, they arrest Jesus, and what does Peter do? He draws out his sword and he cuts off a guy's ear. So how's that going to help? Because there's like 50 guys here to arrest Jesus, some, some people think a couple hundred, and, and Peter cuts off the servant's ear of the high priest, um, and then Jesus is like, you know, cool your jets. He grabs the guy's ear, puts it back on, heals Malthus is the guy's name. It's interesting that we have his name. And some, some scholars think that that's because he became part of the church after that miracle. He's like, so my ear got cut off. The guy put it back on. Like, what the heck? Right? I mean, that would grab your attention. And, and so... so and again, Peter is, you know, acting out of his, his uh, you know, just, just taking initiative where he may not need some. So then uh, Luke 22, a little bit later, Peter and John go to the high priest's house. And because Jesus has been arrested, and that's where Jesus is taken. And that's where he denies Jesus three times. Now notice uh, in, Matthew, in, in, uh, in Luke 22... That's when, um, yeah, I, I should go back to Luke. Let's look at Luke 22 if I, if I can. Luke 22, this is after the, the foot washing. I forgot this part. So Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you've turned back, you'll strengthen your brothers. And then Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Don't worry, I will not let you down. 
And that's when Jesus prophesies. He says, really? Well, I, I tell you, before the rooster, the rooster crows today. Like, like, we're not talking about some like far away happening. Like, so you're so you know, amped on going with me to prison and death. Today you're going to blow it. And he says, you're going to deny me three, you're going to deny, deny three times that you know me before the rooster crows. Okay, so fast forward. So they are in the high priest's house, in the courtyard. Now, we can criticize Peter for denying Christ in the courtyard because he's there, he's watching from a distance what's happening with Jesus' trial, and three times people come up to him and say, you're one of those guys. And he goes, nope. Weren't you with the Galilean? Weren't you with that Jesus guy that, that is on trial? He goes, nope. And one time he even calls down curses from heaven. He's like, I, I swear to you that I do not know the man. Now, we could criticize him and go like, wow. But he and John were the only two that actually followed Christ to that place. Right? So he's almost all there. His faith got him in the courtyard, but then his faith let him down when he had to really stand up for Christ because he's worried about, like, I'm going to get killed right now, right? And so right then it says that after he denied him three times um, that Jesus' gaze met his. And then he went out and he wept bitterly because he knew, like, I have blown it, I have blown it, I have blown it. And he weeps and weeps and weeps. So then the crucifixion happens. John, the disciple, is the only one that's there. Peter's not. Now, I think that Peter probably would have been there except for all this. He's blown it too bad. There's no hope for me now. What Jesus said came true. Like, I'm done. And then we've got two days of darkness where Jesus is in the tomb and then we have the resurrection, which is pretty amazing for all of them, right? Maybe understatement of the century. Um, and then interesting, Jesus raises up in Mark 16, the angel says to the women at the tomb, um, who were the first to see him, go tell his disciples and Peter that he's raised. Why Peter? Because of all the stuff he'd been through. Why Peter? Because of the calling on his life. It's really interesting. And then John 20, Peter and John find out, oh, Jesus is raised, really? So they run. And I love it. It's John who, who gives us the story. It's a foot race. And John says, and the disciple who Peter loves arrived first. That's him, right? And then followed by Peter. Uh, but then Peter is the one who pokes his head in first to check out what's happening. And he's a little confused. He doesn't totally believe. He's conflicted. He's like, what is going on? But John says, but I believed. Even though Peter didn't, I did. <laughs> Interesting. And then later on in John 20, Jesus appears to his disciples twice. Remember that? So he appears to the, 11, to the 10, and Thomas is not there, and he says, I don't know about all this. I'm going to have to see him. And then he comes back and appears again when Thomas is there. So Jesus dies. Jesus raises. He appears to them. They're still a little confused about what is really happening, and they're putting together all the things that he told them over this time. 
and now they haven't seen him for a few days. And like, what's going on? What are we going to do next? So what does Peter do? Remember what he did for a living? Fisherman. He went back to fishing. So he goes, hey guys, you guys want to go to, to the sea? I'm going to do a little fishing. We can clear our heads, figure out what the heck is going on. So he goes back to fishing. So he's back in a boat. He's out on the water. And Jesus appears to him like he did early on to call him out of fishing. And he's out on a, out on a, they're out on a boat in the lake. And he goes, hey, you guys, have you caught any fish? And he goes, nope. And he goes, well, put down your nets right over there and you're going to get some. And they catch all these fish right away, 153 which is an interesting number because some scholars would say 2,000 years ago, that's how many people groups there were, how many language groups there were in the whole world. So, so there may be some meaning in that. And so then Peter goes like, what the? It's him, right? So he jumps in the water. He doesn't even wait for the boats to come in. He just jumps in and swims to shore and gives Jesus this big wet hug. And, and then he's like, oh yeah, the boats and the sorry and then it says he goes, and, he goes and helps them come in. And then Jesus has uh, breakfast made, made for them on the beach. So um, Jesus did his own fishing, a little supernatural fishing. And he makes breakfast for them, um, some fish on the beach. They eat. And then he goes and takes a walk with Peter. And I, I love, this is, this is the, where we're going to spend a minute today. So, so John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Notice he didn't call him Peter, right? It's Simon right now. He says, do you love me more than these? We'll come back to that in a minute. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said again, feed my sheep. Three times. Three times he let Jesus down. Three times he denied his faith publicly. Three times Jesus got in his business and restored him. And he didn't get it at the time. He was hurt. He's like, why do you keep asking me the same question? Like, he's going to ask me again. And it says his feelings were hurt. Poor Peter, right? And, but he did this. I think sometimes Jesus works in our lives, and we don't get it at the time, and it hurts, and we're like, why would that happen? And later on, we're like, oh, now I, oh, now I get it. Peter had this for his whole life. He, he didn't question, does Jesus forgive me? Does Jesus restore? He knows three times. He restored me. Three times I let him down. He knew I would do it. It was right. I did it. Three times Jesus restored him and said, you are the one I've called you to, to be. You are going to go feed my sheep. You haven't blown it beyond repair. You can still be like the master. The master feeds sheep. You go feed sheep. Right on. The master catches people, not fish. You go catch people, not, not right fish. I just think it's beautiful to see Jesus' intentional, patient care of Peter, even though Peter had blown it so bad. So the enemy would love for you to hear, you have blown it too bad. 
you have denied your faith. You have said things you should never have said, and you can't take them back. Right? That's his story. But look how Jesus just swoops right in and goes, let's go for a walk. I'm going to restore you three times, and you're never going to be able to forget this. So it's interesting. He said, do you love me more than these? What does that mean? And this probably means not the people. Do you love me more than these guys do, or do you love me more than you love these guys? It probably means all the, all the lifestyle, the stuff, because Peter had gone back to what he knew. He went back to what he used to do. I'm going to go back to that. And then Jesus is like, don't you love me more than who you used to be? Don't you love me more than fishing boats and nets and smelling bad all the time? Don't you love me more than being on the coast and being with your, your buddies out in the middle of the night on the lake? That's, I like that. But he's saying, don't you love me more than that? And I think that there's a, there's a message in that that is, um, yes, you love your old life, but that's not you anymore. Right and you love me and you love your new life. And Jesus was saying, like, you haven't lost it. You haven't been disqualified. You're still Peter. You're not just Simon. And yes, you let me down. And yes, I restored you. And let's get back on the road. Let's, let's get into what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life, not going back to who you used to be. So now he officially became the rock. Not this one. <laughs> but this one is who he, he officially became. And so we notice the next couple of years of his life, wow, a whole new human being. We see, like Rob, there's like a B.C., right, before Christ, and an, and an A.D., you know, year of our Lord. We see that happen in, in Peter's life, too. Acts 2, he preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 people are saved that day. So the church grew by 10 times in one day. Boom, right? Remember how the, the prophecy was, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church? And then Peter's like, me? And look what, look what happens. Acts 3, he and John are walking along. They heal a lame guy, which turns out to be this big controversial thing. They're pulled in court. All this crazy stuff happens. Everybody's wondering, who is that? And they know the lame guy because he'd been there for years in the temple area. 2,000 more people accept Christ. So now we're up to 5,000, like right off the bat. Right Acts 5, fast forward, Peter's walking around town. His shadow starts healing people. People are like, I got to get near that guy. Because just being close to him, God heals people. Like, this is the smelly fisherman who thought, I, I'm a screw-up. Acts 9, he literally raised a lady from the dead by the power of Jesus and more people come to know Christ. Amen. Acts 10, he takes the gospel for the first time to the Gentiles, to Cornelius and the Romans. And so the Jewish gospel, the Jewish Jesus Messiah story, crosses over and becomes a blessing to all the nations through Peter's life. That's how that started, not Paul. Paul's the guy who took it then, the next level. Let's go to the faraway places. Peter's the one who crossed from Jew to Gentile. 
and the church is built on his shoulders. Wild. Then he goes on to write First and Second Peter, and the Gospel of Mark is most likely his eyewitness accounts of time with Jesus. And I love the Gospel of Mark. I call it the man gospel because it's like the cliff notes. And it, it's a little like Peter. So it's just very direct. Like Peter did this, uh, Jesus did this, and then he healed this guy, and then he said this. Let's move on. That's, that's how Mark is. But we, we notice, it's interesting, that, um, that this guy, Peter, who cut the guy's ear off, who didn't want to pay his taxes, who was always like questioning, always saying the wrong thing, always has trouble with submitting, First and Second Peter have so much to do with humility, submission, understanding your calling, following Jesus no matter what, self-control. So now he's teaching everybody, hey, here's what I learned the hard way. You guys can do this too. And 2 Peter 3.18, the last verse, says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that was his lifelong goal. And I feel like he finally accomplished it. I grew in Jesus. I grew in grace. I became who he wanted me to be. Amen. So how does Peter's story end? So it's, it's pretty solid tradition that he was crucified upside down. But the rest of that tradition from Clement is that his wife was crucified first while he was forced to watch. And he kept saying to her, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. And then when it was his turn, he said, I can't go like that. My Lord was crucified like that. I want you to hang me upside down. And the Romans were cruel enough that they were like, awesome, Let, let's do this. And so it's firm tradition that he was crucified upside down. And he became the person that Jesus called him to be. So I want to have the band come up as we wrap up this, um, this story with what does it mean to us? So what about you? What have you heard today from the life of Peter, the journey of him becoming who he's created to be. I hope you can identify with some of his story. I know I can. There are times when I have said things, and once it's out, you can't get it back. There are times when I've denied the Lord with my actions, and I'm like, oh, geez. And, and I want to say to you, Jesus wants to say to you, come on back. He, he is not the God who pushes you away. And, and Scripture is clear. He's not willing for anybody to perish. If you have wandered away, come back. If you have denied the Lord in your words, in your thoughts, in your actions, Jesus wants to say, let's take a walk. Let's, let's get you back on track. So, so here's a, a deep question. Do you feel like there's something in your life that disqualifies you? And you're like, well, I, I can't follow the Lord because of this. Or I can't be like those other Christians, right? Because they're all perfect. How, how true is that? But I think, I think to be fair, for, for the last 50 years, sometimes Christians have pretended to be perfect. And that's not right. That hasn't been helpful to our culture at all. But 
But think about it. Is there something in your life that you feel like disqualifies you or makes you second class? Or you're like, hey, if I was one of the disciples, man, I'd be like number 15, not number 10 or 11. Like, he wouldn't even want me. And the Lord clearly wants to say to you today, I want to restore you. Whatever you feel like disqualifies you, the Lord wants to say, let's work on that. Let's, let's make that part of your past, not part of your future. Let's move on into 2023, into who I've created you to be. And so ask the Lord this question, where do you need him to restore you? And just bring him that right now and say, Lord, I need you to restore me in this area. So let, let's, I hope that the Lord's brought some stuff to your mind right now. And you who are online watching, I hope the Lord's brought some stuff to your mind about who he created you to be and maybe you blew it on the road and the Lord's like, I'm not done with you. Let's be honest and bring him the, the mess and ask him to clean it up. So if, if that's you, just pray with me. And if that's not you, you're probably lying. So Lord, we bring you ourselves, our failures, our shortcomings, the ways in which Jesus, we have disowned you. And Lord, we know that you will not disown yourself and you live in us. We're part of your life. So Lord, I ask that you to overcome the lies of the enemy in this room that, uh, and of anybody who watches this, Lord, that, that we're disqualified, that we cannot follow you, that we're not good enough, that, that, that you are done with your plan in us, and that's all lies. So Jesus, we give you our lives. We give you the plans that you have for us that we want us to walk into. And I ask, Lord, that you would restore what's been broken. And Lord, bring to our minds areas where we feel like we are disqualified from being with you, where we feel like we're disqualified from being your disciples. And Lord, just like Peter, we admit it. And we say, we're sorry. Please forgive us. Please restore us. Please make us right with you. Please make us more like you. So Jesus, help us to walk out of this place with new life in you and a new confidence that you are making us strong. And Jesus, that you have loved us and restored us back to relationship with you forever that can never be stolen. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We're going to sing one last song just to confirm what we've been talking about in our hearts. <laughs>